Our first reading this evening is from Isaiah in the sixth chapter. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading this day from 1 Corinthians in the 14th chapter. So, with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, In church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel. And our gospel reading uh, this day is from Luke's gospel in the fifth chapter. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done through your Son, Jesus, to bring us to this place to hear your word. We pray you also work by your Spirit. Remove distractions from our hearts and minds that we would always rest in the grace that you have given us in Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Repetition is an amazingly formative thing. Repetition is an amazingly formative thing. It's amazing how well you can form something by repeating the same phrase. In fact, if I were only to repeat that phrase throughout the entire time of this sermon, you would leave with it stuck in your head. And I know this. Because I bet you can probably sing along to every TV jingle that you remember from your youth or songs that used to play in your car a whole lot decades ago and you haven't listened to since. But when they come on, you can sing every lyric. You can quote every piece. In fact, movies, TVs, everything else, when we watch them enough, we start to recite them. They form our memories and our thoughts. Repetition can be an amazingly good thing. It can be a frustrating thing. Sometimes it just feels monotonous. It can be used in negative ways, too. I remember a a positive memory of repetitious things, and it took years and years before it really started to kind of sink in. Um, But the years that I would fish with Dad when I was growing up, Remember, we were separated for quite a long time, but I'd get to see him once every year or so or every couple years, and we would go fish. And he would always, every single time we were out there, whenever I was bored as a child or whether I was annoyed that we weren't catching any, annoyed that I wasn't catching any fish and that dad was, and, you know, I would basically just kind of get bored sitting out there for hours upon hours on end. And there's one phrase my dad would always say. He never had to say it a lot during the one trip, but year after year I continued to hear, son, that's why they don't call it catching, and they call it fishing. All right. Years went down the road, and I finally started to realize that, and I actually got to turn the phrase on him a couple of years ago when we were up in Oregon fishing. And I would hook one or get a bite and he wouldn't have something else. And I turned around and said, Dad, that's why they call it fishing and not catching. And I've learned it's all about the fishing when I'm with Dad, the time with him. But that phrase stuck in my mind and it will always stick there. 
There's other ways, though, when phrases are repeated to us, and sometimes in a negative way. Sometimes they don't have to be repeated very often. I know for many, and as I've talked to people within the church, they would say something like, oh, in my youth I was told I couldn't sing. Really? How many times did it take before that phrase formed that person to where now I talk to them in their adult years and they say, oh, I can't sing? Well, you can actually. And if you've ever watched the movie Elf, you know you can sing because it's just talking but louder and longer as Elf says in the movie. But that's really all it is. But see, that phrase, whether it was said once or repeated a bunch of times, form that person's thoughts about themselves to the point where they realized, not realized, where they thought amongst themselves, I just can't do it. And they never tried ever again. Singing is a joyful thing. It doesn't really matter in church what you sound like. Just sing. Enjoy the music. Enjoy the praise. Know that God has given you a voice no matter what it sounds like because when they all blend together, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I know you may only hear your own, but everybody together as a church singing the praises of God is amazing. There's other things that are repeated throughout life too. And they're a little harder because we see them within ourselves. It doesn't always take someone else speaking them to us, but a lot of times Satan will point us to certain things in our lives that continue to repeat, certain sins that continue to creep in certain desires, certain actions that we take. It doesn't really matter what example I give you. It's different for each one of you. But there's certain times in life when we are focused in upon those things and Satan just says, look, see, that's who you are. That's who you are as a sinner and not a child of God. That's who you are as one who is corrupted. But that's who you are unworthy of the love of God. And for some folks, that's all they sit in. That's all they hear. The repetition is a formative thing. And thanks be to God that he's repetitious with his word, too. I don't know if you heard it in the readings today, but in the Isaiah reading, Isaiah finds himself before God at the throne of the Lord of hosts. And he sees where he's at and he falls down on his face and he says, I'm as good as dead because I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. I'm a sinner in the presence of a holy God. I should not be existing right now and don't deserve to be. He knew himself as a sinner. He also knew the identity of God at that point, the holiness of God. But in our gospel reading, Peter does exactly the same thing. Remember the setting for Peter. Jesus had come into town the day before. He was teaching in the synagogues, right, on the Sabbath. And he had sat down to teach the people. And after that, had gone over to Simon's house. Or Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a fever. Jesus healed her knew who this guy is and this day comes the day after the sabbath and the people are gathering around jesus 
to hear his word. They want to be present where he is at to hear him speaking, so much so that they're pressing in on him and he needs some space to be able to speak. And so as he's down at the lake shore and sees two boats with the fishermen out of their boats and tending to their nets, he hops in one. Happens to be Simon's. He says, hey, push the boat out a little bit. So he pushes it out and again sits down to teach. This is a proper mode of the day of teaching just to show a rabbinical nature as he sits down to teach the people. And you can imagine James and John and Peter throughout the afternoon listening to Jesus talk as they're doing their vocation and their work, mending their nets and maybe nodding their head from time to time or saying, yeah, I never thought of it that way. The time comes and Jesus, as the day draws on, looks over at Peter as Jesus is sitting in the boat and he says, hey, push the boat out a little bit further for a catch. I love that part. He doesn't say push the boat out a little bit further and let's go fishing or push the boat out a little bit further and let's try to see if we can find dinner. He says, no, push the boat out a little bit further for a catch. Peter, I can just imagine, looks up out of the tops of his eyelids. The wheels in my mind would start turning if I were Peter standing there and I'd be looking at Jesus saying, hey, I didn't tell you how to teach, mister. I wasn't there telling you what thing to say about whatever it was you were speaking about and teaching everybody. It looked like you hand it handled. I wasn't telling you how to do your job. Now look, we've been out on that water all night long in the prime time to fish, and we're no newbies at this. We've been doing this for a while. Notice we have two boats. We got partners. We got a business. We know what we're doing here. But because of your word, Master, teacher, rabbi. We'll let down the nets for a catch. He was in that moment out in the deep with Jesus in the boat and Peter in the boat and the other guys in the boat right there, James and John still out on the shore probably going, what are they doing? And that net comes up full of fish, so full much so that the nets they just mended are breaking. And they yell out to the other guys and say, get over here! And they fill up the two boats to where the boats are sinking. And Peter notices at that moment who this Jesus is. And he realizes that he, a sinner, is in the presence of a holy being. Just as Isaiah was. And he falls down and he says, depart from me for I am sinful. You actually did exactly the same thing at the beginning of service. We come in here and I say in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and you say, oh no, dear Lord, most merciful God, I'm sorry for my sins and thought, word, and deed. I'm sorry for the things that I have done that have abused your gifts. I'm sorry for the things that I have thought and acted upon. I'm sorry for the things I didn't do and I should have, but here I am as a sinner in your presence. See, as much as Satan may point us to our words and our deeds and point to us to say, look, that's all you are as an undeserving sinner, you need to hear a rep repetitious and repeated word as well, a forgiveness. Isaiah needed to hear it. And God took care of that in an odd way with a burning coal in that vision. 
Jesus took care of it with Peter. In one of the most beautiful absolutions ever. He didn't stand there and say, I forgive you, which would have just as well been exactly the same thing. But he looks at Peter, who he can tell is afraid and scared in the presence of something that is outside of Peter's knowledge. And he knows that it's from God. And Jesus says, stop being afraid. I'm here with you. I'm in your presence. Because I love you. Now get up. Be the man I've made you to be. And stop being afraid in my presence. I'm here for you, Peter. And I'm going to send you out. Not just as a fisherman, but a catcher man. You're going to be going out. And with my word, you will be catching men. You will be catching People. My word will be so effective that you will see it happen to where when you speak it into people's ears, they will hear my word of love and forgiveness for them and you will be catching men. And I'm not sending you out to say, here, try and see if it happens or I wonder if it will or maybe it will and maybe it won't. No, I'm sending you out to catch people, Peter. So stop being afraid. Those are the words you heard sounded different. I said, on account of Christ and the position I'm called into, I get to tell you that I forgive you as I stand here in the stead of Christ to speak his words into your ears and say, you are forgiven and that I forgive you. You are loved by the Father. You are forgiven on account of Christ. Stop being afraid. Know that salvation is yours and nothing can take it from your hands. Nothing at all. No matter what Satan speaks into your ears at different times, you can say, you're absolutely right. I did that. And I'm loved. And I'm forgiven. And it's not that I meant to do or even wanted to continue doing those things. It's where I found myself. And if I did want to do it, I know it was wrong. And I know it was an abuse of God's gifts. And I know that God has loved me. And continues to love me. And he continues to love you. Every moment. Every day. As you wake. You know that God loves you so much. To not leave you as who you were before you were baptized. But to hold on to you as his child. Loved and forgiven in Jesus. And to be sent out as catcher men. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us in Christ, that you have caught us by your word and you have made us your own and nothing can take us out of your hands. We pray, Lord, that you continue to bless us each day. Give us what we need for the day and the strength to go on to know that it's you who leads us, guides us, holds on to us, and protects us. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to rise as you're so inclined.